Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into, you know, some of the hard economics news of uh, the week, just uh, getting into, you know, what does the state of the economy look like? And for today, we're going to be focusing specifically on what's going on in the manufacturing sector. That is one of the big engines economically of the country. And uh, we're going to be talking to uh, the team from APSA to get us sense of what's going on there because we hear that confidence in the sector is down what does this mean and also at the same time how have they been affected by the ongoing energy crisis in the country and to help us to you know make sense of it all we are joined by uh, justin schmidt uh, who is the head of manufacturing over at absa relationship banking Justin, greetings to you today. Hi, Wadiwe. Thanks for having me. No, no, thank you so much, uh, you know, for being with us today. I think maybe a good place for us to begin is getting a sense, um, you know, of uh, third quarter APSA manufacturing survey. Guess uh, some of the highlights. And also at the same time, just what is uh, that uh, manufacturing survey? What is it that you guys are trying to understand or get out um, of the people that are being surveyed? So, so every quarter we work with the Bureau for uh, Economic Research, the BER in Stellenbosch. They interview about 700 business people in the sector. They ask them a wide range of questions, but ultimately what we're looking at is what is the confidence in in the sector at that quarter and how is it moving quarter on quarter and and kind of versus the historical levels so it looks at it looks at things like what are the constraints on on investment um what are your expectations uh 12 months forward in terms of sales uh either export or import uh, sorry export or local it'll also look at what's happening to cost cost um, and then kind of are you expecting to invest into your business uh, as well as what are the current conditions that you're facing all of that gets put into kind of what is the confidence of the of the sector so i think you you also said we're the positives so, so good to start on the positives because i think there are a lot of headwinds facing everyone interestingly at that stage um when when the survey was run 10th to 29th of august uh, manufacturers were actually quite optimistic about export sales um, so one of one of the good good points there. Um, there was pressure on local sales um, and and really kind of a lot of pressure on expectations. Um, so when we are now looking at uh, something like that, now that we have an understanding, you know, of what the survey is, what it is you guys are trying to glean and understand, and how you guys actually went about um, getting it, what does the latest survey tell us about confidence in the, what you call this, um, about confidence in the local market when it comes to manufacturing? I think just uh, seeing some of the headline numbers, I see that things are down to 26 um, you know, out of 100, and I'm not a manufacturing expert, but I would surmise that that is not a good thing. Yeah, so Madiwa, it's, it's not a good thing. Um, that uh, To say that differently, um, 26 means essentially 7 out of 10 respondents um, are not confident about what, hap- what the prevailing business con- conditions are. So 7 in 10, yeah, a bit pessimistic about what we're looking at. I think when you look at quarter 3, 
this is a six quarter low in the survey results. So if we look back to quarter one, things were looking very good. There wasn't load shedding. There was optimism about reinvesting into the business. Uh, conditions were improving more broadly. Um, what we saw in this quarter was a lot of supply chain shocks. So the obvious one, which has actually got worse since, since the survey period. So I, I do think if we reran these results just because of load shedding, um, this 26 number would most likely be worse than than it was at that stage. But really, that the, the big supply chain shocks, you know, um, load shedding. I think now what we're seeing at the ports, um, you know, any disruptions in the supply chains are also um, impediments, and that was an impediment during uh, the survey period of 10 to 29 August. And I do think, you know, we've we've seen in the latest week that these uh, supply chain shocks are um, increasing again. So really. It wasn't good when when we ran the results. I, I don't think if we looked at the the sector right now, um, confidence would have bounced back just because we know uh, load shedding is at its highest levels uh, historically. Um, the, the ports issues and really what what manufacturers have said over the COVID period and this global pandemic, supply chains have been a big um, hamper on them. So we have started seeing um, improvements there. But I think it's always one step, one step forward, one step back at the moment. We we see improvements and then we see the frictions come back. So yeah, it is a tough time at the moment for manufacturers. It really does sound, you know, that way that, uh, you know, tough times all around, like you said, one step forward, one step back. And uh, for now, it seems to be a net negative, um, just given all of the factors that are, you know, affecting um, what's going on in the manufacturing sector. Are there specific, um, you know, types of manufacturers? Uh, Because we do have a bunch in South Africa, whether we're talking the automotive side, your agro processing um, and the like, you know, that um, either seem to be faring better than others or, you know, have been uh, hit the worst uh, by Load shedding and also uh, the supply chain constraints. Yeah, so so they, they are kind of in this survey the eight, eight subsectors, but broadly, like you said, there's agro processing, um, kind of feeding into that agricultural value chain, which which we are a really good um, producer of. Automotive is is another one that is generally. Um, seen positive kind of sentiment from investments and the big the big OEM investments and and clarity in in kind of the plan for South African automotive so historically that's been been well well performing we've got the big steel manufacturers chemicals um a surprising one historically through covid has been textiles that has generally performed uh, quite well through the pandemic and that's because supply chains kind of being disrupted meant that local textiles manufacturers actually performed well um, contrary to kind of the decade before you know when they were under a lot of pressure yeah like i said we've got the transport manufacturers um yeah and, and eight eight subsectors um that are, are tracked in this this confidence index um of the eight six or lower confidence um but unfortunately all below 50. so really at a, often we do see um a low number for this sector it does seem somewhat pessimistic but really the, the load shedding issues to everyone i think that is the biggest impediment to growth um really if we want to carry on growing um we need to be seeing more investment into energy infrastructure um and if, if you don't have power you can't produce um you know that that uh, manufactured food or beverage good um that piece of steel that you you fabricating uh, really so load shedding everyone is struck by that i think what's been interesting talking to manufacturers is depending on where you are um, you might be harder or worse hit. So I think um, 
yeah, really, it's kind of, are you in the right industrial zones? Maybe then as a manufacturer, you are not seeing the big, big impact of load shedding. Yeah, if 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 you're close to markets, maybe the, the supply chain issues, then you're just a, a local producer that doesn't have to worry about imports. You are seeing kind of um, positivity there. But really, all eight subsectors have been hit by the supply chain issues as well as the, the lower confidence due to load shedding. One of the things I'm quite then interested to understand, Justin, you know, especially just given um, what you've said to us about the different uh, the different sectors, the eight that you guys have been tracking, some confidence, some, you know, lack of confidence, you know, across the board, load shedding affecting everyone. What does that do? Because we're definitely going to come back uh, to the issue of load shedding. I think we definitely need to touch on that. But before there, uh, what does all of the factors that we've just uh, that we've been discussing over the last few minutes, what does that do for capital allocation decisions, for investment decisions? Because one can imagine that um, if confidence is low, then you know, then there's a chance as well that um, people will be a little bit more restrained when it comes to um, their purse strings. What what we look at at the end of the the um, the survey is what are the constraints on the business. So they can, there's, there's broad kind of terms of political uncertainty, but that, that could be anything from policy to load shedding. Um, interestingly as well, one of the constraints that have come up is, um, interest rate increases. Um, so as we heading into these, uh, very large interest rate um, increase cycles and the CPI levels globally being a concern that started popping up with manufacturers. Um, and, and, and what that all does is kind of say, okay, what's my expectations on the future? And therefore, what am I doing today? Because a, a manufacturer can invest in a production line. And that's, that's not just for this next quarter, this next year. That's a, a long term view. Um, they, they build a new warehouse, you know, that, that's them investing into capacity into the future. And like you say, as, as that confidence dips, they become um, less likely to invest. So when, when we ask all these questions, we did see in this quarter, unfortunately, because every second quarter, this this is uh, dived into the investment plans for the future. In this quarter, we dropped to negative uh, six. So meaning, meaning kind of they were net negative about investing into uh, CapEx, uh, capital equipment, uh, inventory, et cetera. In quarter one, when we didn't have things like load shedding, um, you know, there was an easing of supply chains. Our raw material our shortages were less of a constraint. Uh, manufacturers actually were saying 16 plus 16 um, or net 16% of manufacturers were saying we're going to look at not only investing in our uh, maintenance, they were also saying we, we're stocking up. Uh, in terms of inventory, which is a great forward indicator of what's going to happen into the broader economy. But more importantly, they were saying we're actually looking at expansion investments. So I think that's the real kind of view that you can get. As soon as confidence drops, their views on their future um, investment decreases. And we saw that in the survey. Is there delineation between, I guess, your more locally based manufacturers and those that are, you know, maybe international companies that have operations in South Africa? Because, you know, I can imagine that there's a lot that's going on. Yes, your confidence is low right now, but um, this would be a good, if you're international, this is a good time, you know, to be pushing some 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 capital into the South African market because you can take advantage of a weaker rand and, you know, stuff like that. Have you seen any of that coming through or, you know, am I <laughs> maybe, maybe stretching it a little bit? 
Yeah, so I, I think uh, look, we we saw it previously with the the plans of the automotive sector announcing these these massive um, investments, and and we have seen good kind of signs there. Uh, in the survey specifically, we haven't that that doesn't get noted. I think for us, it's it's those niche opportunities um, in the manufacturing space uh, where we can compete globally. I think also what's important, you know, whether it's global or local um, investors, it's really about that policy certainty. So I think where you do have master plans and they give a good framework for what to do, uh, that 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 is a positive kind of sign. But when we see in growth, I mean, local manufacturers, you know, in in just above the SME scale, not multinational, not the lo local listed entities, there's a lot of good opportunities for them as well. So I, I would say it's more more a case of everyone kind of seeing is there forward looking demand for their product, um, and and also another thing that we've seen is you know the, the pressure on the SME market is definitely there, but there's there's a segment of the market that are seeing opportunities through that where there's you know this capacity that disappears. Unfortunately, then and fortunately for them, they can pick that up and they're actually growing into that space. So. Yeah, I, I can't particularly say that uh, you know global uh, corporates are investing more or less than locals from the survey, but there are definitely manufacturers finding the opportunities, but unfortunately off the back of others being under pressure. Now, most certainly. And uh, one of the things, uh, you know, I like the fact that you're touching on uh, the issue of policy, policy certainty, having those master plans um, in place. And, you know, when it comes to energy, you know, it seems as if uh, the country had been a little bit wobbly um, around what's going on there. And very recently, we've had probably one of the biggest moves uh, by government to liberalize um, the energy sector. Is that, you know, maybe an opportunity? because I can I can I can guess that you know for manufacturers they they would you know grab you know such an opportunity with both hands because um, your machinery which is meant to run for maybe 24 hours a day you know you can give it that opportunity if you're running your own uh, what you call this if you're running your own power plants and that type of thing yeah, so, so it's all been positive uh, from a government perspective, um, the liberalization, like you say, of the energy sector. Uh, being close to that sector as well, uh, we, we've we seen uh, that happening for quite a while. You know, SARS already was giving tax incentives to business. Uh, if you invest in solar, you can, if it was under a megawatt, you could write that off in one year. Um, and that's been in place for uh, you know for quite a while um likewise you know bigger installations would be written off over three years from a tax tax perspective so i think government has been pro um supporting businesses investing into this but i do think what's important is this policy certainty um uh, maybe on the one side the fact that we know that there are the bid rounds coming what we really need to see is that big utility scale power coming on board quicker but also these um private power purchase agreements where you know big corporates can buy power directly from these big ipps and close those a lot quicker than the REIT program um you know under under quicker time frames and then using private sector balance sheets i think all of that's important for the local manufacturer because it puts more energy onto the grid um it puts less constraints onto escom who we know you know their fleet they've got many many of their fleets over 50 years in age which actually should have already been retired so yeah, whatever we can see come onto the grid is positive for manufacturers i think in terms of them uh, privately investing we've seen a lot of clients you know they can't take care of the majority of their power through renewables and batteries because if they are high energy intense 
tens of users, um, the size of those battery packs will be huge and, and it's prohibitive. So what, what they've really been doing is, you know, in the past, investing a megawatt of solar, um, but they had this cap, you know, they couldn't invest more. Now, if their need for solar was three, four, five megawatts, they can go fully to that size of, of system. Uh, so I think that's positive. I think what we will start seeing is also, um, you know, clients can now start investing into their bigger premises, over investing there, and they can start looking at uh, what's known as wheeling. You know, you push the power from that uh, that plant into um, your other sites on that that grid, and you don't have to have all the solar sitting on one roof. You know, I mean, on on multiple roofs, you can go invest in the bigger space that you have and start pushing into all your all of your um, production facilities. So I think those are all positive signs. I think also the more more investment you start seeing, the lower the cost of of these. Um, uh, these installations and therefore the investment case gets better so yes um we've seen an increased demand in manufacturers um we've also interestingly with batteries um last year we saw one of one in ten applications in the solar side um, broadly have battery integration this year we're seeing 50 percent of all applications have battery integrations so i think it, yeah manufacturers are getting the opportunity to protect their certain production lines maybe they don't go completely off grid but they can invest into being you know their own um, energy producers and, and make sure that critical elements are looked after and sorry madua the the last point on this is also what we've also seen is kind of certain areas be uh, you know, coming together and saying, well, if we can curtail our usage, um, meaning we can reduce as an area, will you, um, you know, constantly give us the energy? And and that those sort of agreements are quite interesting. And we think certain areas will get more and more of that. And then manufacturers saying, okay, how can I reduce my energy, increase my energy efficiency, use things like solar to reduce my demand. And therefore, as an area, we get less load shedding. So, yeah, it's it's all positive. I think the short term pain is still here, though. No, I I like the fact that you've uh, what you call this. You've laid down all of those different, uh, you know, all of those different options, all of those different ways in which people could advance into the future. And as you were talking, I was now thinking about, I guess. Uh, uh, because you you certainly seem quite knowledgeable about what's going on, and you know very keen to get your sense um, of what direction you see people going in. Is everyone going to become an IPP of their own, or do you see, for example, uh, more you know little hubs? Whether, let's say, for example, earlier on you were talking about um, certain industrial zones. If you're in industrial zone, instead of having every company in that industrial zone coming up with their with their own, uh, what do you call this? Um, instead of having every industrial zone having their own alternative power, you know, for example, you know, I'm thinking about uh, Koha in uh, in the Port Elizabeth uh, area where there's a lot of, you know, windmills that people could take advantage of. Do you see that as the future or do, or do you sort of see a market where it's literally each man, you know, for their own? Yes, there's the wheeling aspect that you mentioned now, you know, where a person could probably use the same set of, uh, you know, solar panels and maybe power something else uh, that they have have uh, you know that's off premises or another premises uh, but do you see power sharing agreements amongst businesses or is will it be each man for their own yeah so, so i think it's a mix of everything um and may, maybe going a bit off manufacturing topic here but but really uh, maybe to start i'm a manufacturer 
I'm sitting in an industrial zone that I'm paying um, just say two rand twenty for a tariff. You know, a, a farmer might be paying one rand twenty. Clearly, if I'm that manufacturer, um, I, I'll look at putting solar panels on the roof um, and reducing my energy bill because there's a very strong um, investment case there. I could break even um, in terms of that investment within three years. Therefore, with a bank funding me over five, seven years, you know, you can quite quickly see that that the cash flows on your, you know, your energy production, actually, it adds cash back into your business. So I think that's the one where you're not going to get away from, you know, the local behind the grid, um, we call it hybrid systems, you know, that, that you put panels on your roof, and there's an investment case there. It's not purely load shedding. I think the other side is then when you're thinking about load shedding, um, we still over the next few years going to see an increase in these behind the meter grids where people are saying, well, I need to be up because of my business. I can't kind of wait for these big utility scale, you know, the wind windmills that you're talking about, the wind turbines. Um, yeah, that supports the entire grid and the, the future planning. But really for me as a business owner, I want to know that I can operate and have some, some level of, of certainty. Uh, we've started seeing, you know, we've we've seen some some of our clients actually go fully off grid. So there's an investment decision where they're saying, you know, how much is it going to cost me to get a connection to run this factory? Um, as, as a farmer, um, I'm I'm concerned about kind of the the maintenance of the the grid around me. I don't have capacity uh, available on the grid, so I'm going to put huge battery banks in, own my network, and and essentially have a micro grid, meaning kind of I've got this network of power uh, distributed locally. So we do think that's going to continue. So some uh, where you say every man for himself, well, those are kind of people making investment decisions for their business. Um, um, interestingly, in the home market, we've started seeing a lot of um, households, you know, um, subscribing to solar or renting solar. So there's there's a lot of interesting moves there where a lot of households are, are investing uh, into into solar for themselves. Again, sorting out the immediate load shedding issue. I think what gets interesting is you start looking at these big body corporates. You start looking at these uh, like um, you know, these uh, business parks. There you can you can start as a as an area putting up solar without necessarily the batteries and starting to move it between that grid and everyone getting the benefits of of the solar um, when you've got excess power you move back in so that's also another interesting one that I think will continue continue growing and then on the 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 final kind of end of this continuum you get the corporates you know the big IPPs or actually the smaller IPPs selling to a corporate where I put solar on every one of your your um, buildings nationally um, or car parks if you're a shopping center and I sell you the power. I use my balance sheet. I become an independent power producer and I sell you the power. And then you've got the other scale where as a big corporate, I say, well, go build that big wind farm, go big the, build the big solar farm and I'll agree to buy that power from you. So yeah, it's it's not kind of a, I think all of these pieces are coming together and I don't think any of them are going to slow down over the next two years. I think they, and we need all of them because really what we've got is a power deficit. You know, if you're producing at, um, at, at the energy efficiency uh, availability factors that we are, we're not producing enough power for growth, never mind existing demand. So, so we do need all of this to continue. And I do think all of those markets are going to continue seeing good growth. 
All right. So, you know, there's a there's a lot, you know, to be unpacked there, but it certainly sounds like you said that there'll be a hybrid of, uh, you know, the different options out there. And there's many different ways in which people can splice, you know, this issue of, uh, you know, how to power uh, households, how to power, you know, businesses from large businesses to small businesses. Uh, and I think uh, on, our po- on our end, uh, Justin, just on the last point as we close off today's session is... Uh, because, you know, you are from, uh, you know, one of the country's largest banks, we do have to ask, um, you know, just your thoughts on how the evolution um, of, um, you know, financing has been um, for alternative power projects or installations. So so it's for us specifically, I think, um, you know, we, we see, this is a, it's, it's a cash generating item. So you've got to kind of think differently about it versus, um, you know, your traditional lending where we say we, we lend against the collateral of, you know, hard collateral. Here, you do know that, number one, um, this is a good resilience measure if you're putting um, generators with your solar and batteries that it, it actually means you don't lose revenue. So really thinking about um, power generation and the privatization thereof in terms of the business, that it's a cash flow generated item. So I think that's where the evolution comes in, knowing that this is actually a long-term investment. So generally, if you use asset finance to fund, you, you fund this over a low, lower term. Uh, they kind of we've we've adapted to this um years ago that you know you've got to finance this asset over a long term i think that the other side for us i'm not talking about utility scale projects now just the business investing investing we're seeing a lot of these independent power producers in the commercial space um, so not the billion rand projects you know the the household uh, the the rooftop projects with with the corporate selling the power to them and really then kind of bringing in you know, that cash flow lending thinking into that market um, because really it is a contract lending space where I've got a contract to sell power. That's where the security is in this this world. And, and how do we take a view on those cash flows again and lend there? So I, I do think, you know, it's a fast moving world. These are long-term assets, but with the changes, you know, you've got to be on top of what the regulations are, but also how do you lend against very good cash flows and make sure you're protecting kind of the project's cash flows through your lending. So I think that's the evolution there, um, really. All right. So that's been it, you know, very fascinating conversation. Firstly, talking about um, what's been going on in the manufacturing sector, some of that confidence, um, you know, coming down 26 out of 100 points. But Justin, you know, rephrasing to say that uh, means seven out of 10 of, uh, you know, respondents in their survey, uh, you know, are showing decreased confidence around the manufacturing sector. And all of that is driven by two big points. The first one being continued disruptions in supply chains. Um, That's something that's been, you know, with us since COVID-19 exacerbated by the Russia-Ukraine war and other global factors and then also at the same time load shedding and uh, we also we then stretched that conversation because that is a big issue that is affecting everybody across the board and uh, you know Justin just giving us some insight into what all of that looks like um, you know right now and also at the same time what does it mean going forward when we have um, a liberalization of the market what are the different options uh, that both 
both big and small businesses can have you know to to take advantage of this and also at the same time what structure is the market going to take is it going to be a an each man for himself or you know sort of a uh, a hub model but he says uh, that we're likely going to see a hybrid going forward so that's been it you know very fascinating conversation uh we were talking to justin schmidt uh who is uh the head of manufacturing over at uh, absa relationship banking justin thank you so much for being with us today thanks for This is Take. Load shedding really does seem to be, you know, pervasive across the land. Over a hundred days of load shedding so far this year, and one can only imagine type of impact that it has um, on your you know businesses that rely on having the lights on all the time because when you think about manufacturing a lot of these businesses have the types of machines that need to be running um, the type of operations that need to be running 24 hours a day seven days a week in the same way that uh, uh, power substations in South Africa um, ESCOM's own grid you know those substations need to be running 24 uh, you know 24 7 and when they aren't running 24-7, that's when we see faults at your substations. And one can only imagine what's happening in the in the private sector um, when you have um, when you have bouts of load shedding that then, you know, take you offline for whatever, you know, number of hours. Because in a lot of cases, um, for certain types of manufacturing concerns, you don't just switch on a button and then the whole thing, you know, turns on. There's stages, uh, there's processes that need to be that you need to go through and you probably need you know some time before the plant is up and running and all of that is uh, disrupted if you have you know those situations um, you know of load shedding so going forward it will be how companies come to the table on uh, on IPP, you know, in the independent power production is going to be very key. I remember a couple of years ago, the Nigerian government um, literally gave up. You know, they literally just said, guys, we've tried to, you know, do this thing of national power provision and uh, we've just given up. And it almost feels as if this is a tacit admittal uh, from the government in terms of uh, the last family meeting uh, that we had around the liberal liberalization of the market where you you have the state simply saying that guys we are not able to meet these power requirements right so can you please come to the party with whatever you have so how the how um, all of those different uh, corporates come to the party on IPP I think there's a huge opportunity uh, that's there obviously you take a lot of strain away from um, you know ESCOM but how corporates in particular and also certain government departments or government institutions come to the party on IPP is likely going to determine whether South Africa ends up being yet another African country that has uh, problems with power production or, you know, whether it becomes a model of what it means to have, you know, IPPs driving energy in a country. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter with hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
Pocket Cast or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail, and this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. Thank you.